You want to know how and why the Chiefs won Super Bowl 58? We're going to give it to you quarter by quarter, starting today, right here on Locked On Chiefs. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets just for winning a $5 bet anywhere they like. That's 150 bucks. If your first bet wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Welcome back, Chiefs Kingdom, friends and neighbors around the world. Checking out the breakdown this week that we have for Super Bowl 58. We're going to go through a ton of concepts here. We appreciate you joining us and making us your first listen here on the podcast network. That's your team every day here on Locked In for every show everywhere. You can get us five days a week plus here on YouTube where we'd ask you to like and sub and hit that bell to begin with. And then move over to the audio platform, Spotify, Apple, and everywhere you can get a free podcast. And then if you still want more, we've got more for you at 816-357-8781. You can join our text line and get all the information. He's Chris Clark from Chiefs Corner. He's going to break everything down from the historical perspective, from the quarterback perspective, from the stats perspective, as well as the capology that we need and are going to have to get into in the coming weeks. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting. Over on the end of NFL 33 for draft building on RGR football for film work. You can see it all and do it all. It is uh, here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, something that we do all the time. And we try to spread it around. We're going to go through today. We're going to show you and discuss how the Chiefs dominated the first quarter today. Coming up later in the show, how did they go about getting that period off the, the charts and, and getting a win quarter by quarter, and we're going to start today with, obviously, the biggest play of the quarter in the first. And that comes down to a guy that's that's been growing steadily, that's been showing his game improve very consistently. It is Leo Chanel's forced fumble, and is a unique play, and one that I think, in retrospect, is not given the credit that it was deserved, because the situation to set it up was really, really unique, wasn't it? It was extremely unique, and I mean, you look at the the game the game flow, which is really what this is all about. I mean, we're going to talk about this quarter by quarter. We're going to talk about all the different big plays that you have. Well, we're not going to be able to talk about them all because there were several in, in multiple quarters, but we're going to talk about the biggest play of each quarter. And when you look at the game flow of this specific play, the 49ers had three first downs in a row, 18 yards, 11 yards, and 11 yards, and then they have this play in this run by McCaffrey. It's it's one of those things as they go through, you got to make a play. And if you break this down on film, I'll try to post it over at RGR Football for those of you that want to see it on the coaches' film. It's very unique because it incorporates a lot of things that we talked about in our Super Bowl preview show. And one was attacking the quarterback as quickly as you can. And in this particular play, you see an inside shaded nose tackle, a, a one technique really. And Leo's coming down to the line of scrimmage to mug the B-gap. And for those of you that aren't familiar with the, the term mugging, that's where you show and you present yourself as a blitzer. It is to really intimidate, and especially for simulated pressures, really get the quarterback to bite on the fact that you're coming and that you're going to be a pass rusher, or in this case, uh, a run destroyer trying to penetrate that gap. That's a big, big part of why this play happens, and that is because – He's changing it at the last second and changing the blocking angles. And that's just the first step 
Yeah. And that doesn't account him holding the guy off with one arm to make the spin move right. to spin him back into the ball. That's the that's the thing that you look at and it goes unnoticed. Uh, yes, we know he made the play. Yes, we know uh, he made the strip and he was responsible for it. But it's looking at how got, how did he get there? He goes and blitzes the B-gap, tries to attack the guard, holds him off with one arm and does a spin move while holding himself off with one arm, spins back around to get to the ball carrier and makes the strip all in basically one fell swoop. Yeah, it's it's a really nice demonstration of feeling the zone coming at you because he makes contact with two hands. But because the guard is coming and pushing him to the outside, he understands that he's got to post up. He gets the shoulders turned a little bit. And that's what honestly allows him to, to post up with one hand and spin back to the inside. Yep. It's a nice use of technique, of aggression. He, absolutely. His functional strength is off the charts. Yep. And, and being aggressive with it, it's good to be strong. But if you don't use it in an aggressive fashion, you're not taking advantage of it. And then understanding what play is coming at you. It's a feel thing as much as it is anything else. And it's something that he did very well at Wisconsin and that we've been kind of basing his game on. Now, a lot of folks want to see him come off the edge, but I will tell you in this game, I think is evidence of it, that he can make an impact on ball games in there inside of the B-gaps just like he did in college. Because as he comes off that spin, it is a split second from – when he's turning his head to when he's in contact with McCaffrey to win the ball's out. Yeah, and his functional strength, and, and you kind of talked about that a second ago, his functional strength is amazing to watch. I mean, his ability to hit the guard, stay in contact, keep him off of him, and then still be able to spin back through, his ability to be able to bend like that is something that's impressive. And, you know, you watch it, and he makes a fantastic play. He makes a great job getting the ball out. But the only reason he even had a chance of getting that ball out he would have been spinning back, but if Pinnell isn't there to basically stuff McCaffrey with a two-yard gain, that is a completely different play because Chanel might have been able to tackle him, but he's not going to be able to get the ball if McCaffrey is able to start running through that hole like there was one. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And Mike pushing him back to him allows him to come off that spin, make contact, and it's it's a very fluid motion. When you go back and watch it, he's not contacting and then – Oh, I should pull the ball. It's it's a swipe right off the contact. And if it wasn't for that, I think McCaffrey covers it up and doesn't get the ball up. Yeah, and he understands that Mike has him at least to a point where he can get them he can get him down. So it's worth trying to go for the ball at that point. That's huge. Yeah. It's absolutely huge. And and you know, we don't want to overlook that George Karloftis was the one that saw the fumble come out and was able to pounce on it. Uh he's getting blocked by George Kittle right in front of where the play happens. And the ball pops out and, and George goes, Oh, look, ball, and jumps hey. on it. I mean, it was, you know, it's the kind well, of play you love to have. And it's to the point, George Kittle is a good blocker. He's intense. And if it wasn't for the fact that George got past him upfield so that Kittle had to turn his shoulders and actually put his back to the free ball, Kittle might have been in a position to prevent the recovery. So yeah. he had knew the he had no idea the ball was out. Yeah. Yeah. And kudos to George, because George almost lets up. And just kind of relaxes a little bit until he sees it pop, and then he pounces. That's everything that you ask for a team to produce a play off of one guy's extra effort in Leo Chanel. That's cool. one play. How did they get to winning the period? How did they take the first quarter? We're going to get to that coming up on the backside of this here on the Locked On Podcast Network. 
Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers, you get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet right now on FanDuel. That's $150. If your bet wins, super straightforward and simple. Bet all your favorite NBA players with the teams that you're looking for, whether it's quick bets, same game parlays, exclusive props, and everything else under the sun. Just visit. FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot today. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on at FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NBA and the NFL. Make sure you check out the Locked On Sports Today feed. It is 24-7. You're going to see some content from us in there. I hope that you guys will enjoy it. I know that you will. If you go get subbed right now, you'll get those plays. Now, the biggest play, obviously, we talked about with Leo Chanel, but it's it's about more than a single play to win a quarter. And this one's a tough one because this is this is a team that had to do a little bit of soul searching, right? Off the bat, what stands out to you about the, the process to get through the period? Just continuing to fight. Uh, I mean, you look at what the Chiefs were able to do on offense in the first quarter, and it was almost nothing. Uh, they had three and out on their first set of downs and another basically I think they had five plays the second time they touched it uh, and then they give the ball back to San Francisco San Francisco was having drives that were at least eight or nine plays a piece uh, except for the first drive where they fumbled where they I think they only had seven six or seven plays but San Francisco was holding on the ball the Chiefs defense was getting worn out quickly in the game in the first quarter but they were able still to stymie San Francisco enough to where they weren't able to put up any points and it goes to a situation where at the end of the first quarter, the score is zero to zero. And I just want to point out FAU had a huge stop right before the quarter ended. And I do think that that shows promise. He's coming along going forward. And I know he didn't get a ton of play in the Super Bowl, but to be in for seven snaps and to make a big tackle for a loss on one of your snaps is impressive. Yeah, I have to. I have to agree that that was one of the other ones I considered to be the, the play of the quarter, um, because it did kind of seal it. And when you take a look back, it's it's one of those deals that two drives and winning this quarter came down to making stops and making sure that you're not giving up those points to, to end in a zero zero tie after giving up the start of that game. I think it comes down. To possessions in the first quarter three of them men in punts that's not something we're used to for the kansas city chiefs and so this is for the first time i think in this feeling out period which i think the first quarter almost always is especially for spags is trying to see how they're going to attack you it's just withering that and relying on a unit that we don't talk about as much well you do but it comes down to the special teams units doing their job and getting those punts kicked off safely in getting them on the ground yeah well and getting them on the ground i think josh williams i think that this was the quarter where he had that big huge play on the punt yeah this is it, it right as the niners are getting the ball back to in the first half first quarter joshua williams runs down and gets mcleod with no gain uh hit him basically as soon as the ball got there it was a fantastic punt by um by townsend and it was a great job by uh, Williams to get it. I mean, a 62-yard punt and to be able to cover it like that and hit him right immediately, that's a, that's a huge play on special teams. And you talk about the offense, and it was really interesting because you go into this game and I don't remember if it was NFL Network or for CBS, but one of the things that they kept talking about was 
Kansas City was like eight for eight on game starting drives in the playoffs where they'd scored points. That didn't happen in this game. Nope. And it made you wonder because usually Andy's first 15 script is flawless and they drive the ball down. That wasn't the case in this one. And the offense really was going to have a battle on its hands the whole game. Yeah. I mean, it was a three and out to start. Yep. Minus three yards on the first run play to Pacheco. Um, then Trav for one. And then they tried to get it with him again and Which, it got eight yards out of it. It came up, you know, to the point where you're punting with only a few yards to go. Which is the only catch that Kelsey had in the first half. His one catch for one yard. That's his only catch this entire first half. Uh, crazy. The <laughs> defense played bigger things. <laughs> it, it does. But the defense played so well and they were able to do so many things to stop the 49ers when it counted. Uh, that is the that is a huge takeaway from this quarter is that the defense showed that they are going to be a little bit of a bend but don't break. And what I mean by that is not even necessarily giving up points, but maybe you're allowing yards, maybe you're allowing them to get 30, 40 yards per drive, but you're still getting them to the where they're having to punt the ball back and they have to start over trying to get that 30 and 40 yards again. That's a big deal uh, because when you start talking about time of possession and field, pos field position, that becomes a bigger issue uh, throughout the game. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And it takes, and this is one that I always concentrate on, and it takes winning the possessions in order to put a quarter together, in order to put a game together. And that's what it comes down to for me. And when you look at it, the, the Niners' second drive results in minus 20 yards. Yeah. Penalty that's, it, it, we're going to get to that in the, in the coming segment coming up next. But that, that's what it comes down to is however you have to put the blocks together to win the quarter, that's what you got to do. And that was getting that punt, getting that fumble, taking the ball away. As we talked about pregame in our preview show, that's for me what came down to, to how they won this first quarter. Uh, it wasn't wasn't gross. <laughs> Obviously, the score didn't change. But there, there are more dynamics on the field to winning a quarter than there is than just what's on the scoreboard. Yeah, and the other thing is, yeah, you can't always look at the stats. I mean, there's so many plays, uh, and I know we get in, we talk into about pressures, we talk about you know hits and and hurries and all that, and I get all that. That is part of stats to an extent, but most people, when you're talking about the game, they're looking at sacks. That wasn't a big thing in this game. It was more pressure of getting to Purdy, getting hands in his face, uh, giving you know getting a hurry, getting a hit, um, you know, getting him off his spot. All of those things, and even if you don't really count it as a hit, but you're getting in a hurry and he's getting out, he's having to get outside the pocket and throw it, and it ends up being a throwaway. That's a win for the defense. It certainly is. And they needed to string those together. So, how did they dominate? And did they dominate? That's maybe the better question. We're going to hit that coming up next on the Lockdown Podcast Network. We all know it's hard to get tickets to Arrowhead, and it's even harder if you're trying to go to a Jayhawk basketball game, but you shouldn't have to worry about the tickets for the next big event that you want to get to. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports events, music venues, comedy, and even theater events near you with great last-minute deals, all-in prices. You can view the seat from the app as well as the best price guarantee. Game time takes all the guesswork out of buying tickets to your next event. And to see that seat from the beginning, that's the big thing for me. I want to know where I'm going to be and what my view is going to be. It's the best feature out there. All in prices, no hidden fees, all up front. It's a great deal that you can check it out. And you can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. So take all the guesswork 
out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use our code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply, but again, you just have to create the account and use the redeem code L O C K E D O N for $20 off of your first purchase. It's, uh, it's the best way to go about it. Game time, get it today. It's last minute tickets, it's lowest prices, and it is guaranteed. Make sure that you are not only subbed to this channel, but you go sub to the Lockdown Sports Today channel and make sure you get your 24-7 feed because that's what it is and that's why it's important. Importance is what we're talking about here. Domination. And I know what you guys are thinking. Trace, what are you talking about? It was a 0-0 game. They didn't dominate anything. I actually choose to defer that because I disagree. I thought it started out hot. As we talked about in the last segment, they gave up some plays. They came out. And got on the field, the defense in particular, got on that field and gave up 6 yards, 18 yards, 11 yards, 11 yards, and then they got the fumble. So that sounds like a pretty bad day out, right? Huge. Huge bad day. Huge bad but day. But the fumble canceled all that out. Yep. They came back. And as you mentioned, I think this is probably the key to the first quarter that nobody did talk about post game, and that is multiple penalties that led to the Chiefs being in a good position. Trent Williams, in particular, I thought stood out to me. A couple of those were on him. And by backing it up, you lose those, those yards. You get yourself in a position where you're playing ahead of the sticks. And then that has to go then back on why did that happen? Well, it happened because you have Chris Jones across from him, because you have guys that are coming after him, because Spags is changing the front. So I do take it to you forced those penalties. It's not just a mistake on the offense, in my opinion. It's you made that happen, and that's where the domination comes in for me. Yeah, and the defense can can make the offense make penalties. Uh, that obviously happens. Uh, it happened. Look back at the Bills game. Kansas City's offense made the, the Bills' defense make penalties, stupid penalties. Uh, I mean, it's definitely part of the game. It's definitely something that you have to deal with. And you look at the emotion and you look at how this game started. And I would play devil's advocate for a moment and say that they didn't dominate as much because you look at what they were able to do on the offensive and defensive line for San Francisco. They were pushing the Chiefs off the ball. And that's really one of the biggest stories in the first quarter is that the the 49ers seem to have more physicality, more energy, more tempo, all of it was on their side. And to say, to look at it now and say, okay, the Chiefs, I think, did win the quarter, and I agree with you there. And the reason I say that is because you look at everything that San Francisco had going for them. They had tempo. They had pace. They had domination at the line of scrimmage. And yet, at the end of the first quarter, it was still 0-0. And I understand that the fumble had part of that, had something to do with part of that. But at the same time, it, they also had two other drives where they didn't score points in the first quarter. Yeah, and, and that's that's the bulk of it. When you when you look at the the third penalty, by the way, uh, being on the punt, which which got you a little bit more breathing room, and backed it up uh, thanks to D winners uh, on a false start on that punt formation. But that's not it's not the 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 gist of it completely because there are other plays. When you look at the explosives for the ball game. It comes down to a bunch of plays in the first quarter. And setting that tempo sets you up. When I, when I look at their big plays, you've got a 19-yarder from a cloud. You've got 
an 18-yarder to use check, another 18-yarder to Ayuk, and then the last 18-yarder to our guy Chris Conley. Yep. You took all those punches, and you lived to tell the tale without giving up points. Yeah, that's what you, it comes down to. And I know we're focused on the first quarter, but the reality is, is that you took all those punches and you channeled what you learned from those punches and adjusted your game plan for the second quarter and the second half and overtime. And that is what got you to win the game is you looked at what they were doing, made your adjustments how you needed to, and took it to them and ended up winning the game because of it. Yeah. And I agree with you. Normally, I would be one of the guys that say, well, go look at the film. They didn't dominate anything. They lost in the trenches this whole quarter, except for the fact that, and this is why there's there's the debates across, is it film? Is it statistics and production? Is it is it athleticism? What, what goes into winning? Well, they all go into winning because yeah. you did get beat up physically. You did get pushed off the ball, but you made enough plays to stop points from going on the board. And that I I take as a bigger pump up, a bigger uh, infusion of confidence in this ball game for the defense than it was for the, the Niners, even when they were getting those explosives. Yeah, and you look back, and it's kind of funny because this this entire game kind of ended up looking like a microcosm of the Chiefs season in a way. They struggled at times on offense the entire first part of the season, and that's exactly what's happening in the first quarter. Um, I'm not going to say they got dominated on defense. They really didn't. But offensively, they struggled in the first quarter. They struggled in the first part of the season. Second quarter, they started to figure things out on offense. But the reality is that you look back over the past couple of years where Mahomes has been here, the offenses usually carry the defense. Those flipped in this season. And the defense absolutely carried the offense. And now I, I think that they have, you know, everybody on the defensive side feels the ability of what the offense felt for so long of having to carry another part of the team. And they know we can't really say anything. <laughs> they carry, they've carried us for years. <laughs> so in that situation, I think, you know, you talk about dominance and you talk about, uh, you know, the offensive and defensive line, and you're absolutely right. They lost in the trenches, but to have the ability to lose in the trenches, the way they did still come back, still focus enough to keep them to zero points in the first quarter. And, to put it mildly, you kept the game in reach because that's what it really comes down to is if the 49ers score a touchdown on the first drive, if there's not a fumble there and they score a touchdown on the first drive, maybe they get a, a touchdown on the second drive too because it sure looked like they were going to have their way with the Chiefs defense uh, the way it was going early on. Yeah, and that momentum is a real thing. Um, one other side note, one of the reports on Nick Algretti's injury is that it happened and he played – Almost the whole game was the quote that I saw with an elbow injury. So most likely that injury happened here in this quarter as they were trying to get their feet underneath them. So it just goes to tell you how domination comes from a spot that is internal and it is in the eye of the holder. And, and do you look back to the play that we started this conversation with, with the, you know, the George Karloftis recovery of the fumble. I'm wondering if that didn't have an issue for how, George Kittle's shoulder got hurt. I don't know if it's the same shoulder, but you watch if you go back if you go back and rewatch that play when he dives on the ball, he gets his arm pinned in that pile mm-hmm. and is not able to move it. So you have to wonder how that affected things throughout the rest of the game. And Kittle didn't do anything. What was it? Two catches for four yards. Uh, I mean, sure, if you want to say that he was a great blocker, okay, great. But uh, when he's one, supposed to be one of your offensive stars, uh, you know, there's no comparison between him and Kelsey. 
You're absolutely right. So how did they move on from this quarter? It started out. We're at a 0-0 tie as we move through this week, folks. Make sure you like, sub, and hit the bell because tomorrow we're going over the second quarter. What did they do to move forward, and how did they make plays? What were the big plays? I think you guys know, but I'm going to tell you, it involves your boy, McCole Hardman. We're probably going to talk about him multiple times through this series. So if you would, like, sub, hit the bell here on YouTube. Make sure you sign up on Spotify, on Apple, on all the audio platforms, and we are going to have more for you all this week. Check out the Locked On Sports Today feed. We appreciate you being with us today, and make sure you're coming back and on that text line at 816-357-8781 because we're going to break it down all the way through, and we want you here along the ride. Don't forget, we will have Matt Jarek as our midweek break and our normal guest spot on Wednesday. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. One quarter down. We are 15 minutes through Super Bowl 58. More to come tomorrow. Thanks for being with us today, and we'll talk to you then.